Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Deanne Turner, who spent three decades leading teams and coaching staff members at Chick-fil-A. Her new book is called Crush Your Career, Ace the Interview, Land the Job, and Launch Your Future. And this book is a great guide for anybody who is either just getting started out in their career or navigating the changes in a career currently. In this conversation, we talk about getting started in a career now in this new landscape of the workplace, making career transitions and entering into second or third acts and and first steps to do that, as well as finding a career that gives your work and life meaning. So if you or somebody you know is in that position, this is a great book and a great conversation to help with that. So I will get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Deanne Turner. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Deanne Turner. Deanne, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much, Eric. It's my pleasure to be with you today. So glad to have you, especially after the year plus that we've had now. You've really got something interesting here with Crush Your Career. In fact, that's the name of the book, Crush Your Career, Ace the Interview, Land the Job, and Launch Your Future. This is a really good resource for a lot of people right now, especially coming off this last year of the pandemic and everything. And, you know, for a while there, I was kind of hesitant, like, okay, how long is this pandemic going to be around? Do I even need to mention it? And then I was like, oh, it's going to be here for a while. Okay. And, you know, listeners know I did some digging into the back catalog and I brought forward and republished some older episodes of the show just to kind of bring forth some of the ones that I thought would help people, you know, deal with anxiety and different mm-hmm. things like that. Well, this topic of of your career is yet another one of those topics that people need to think about and and hopefully can turn a corner or make, you know, even a thriving situation come out of recent history. So really excited to talk about this. Well, you know, it's kind of funny that you said that because when I, this was not the book I wanted to write. When Baker Publishing started talking to me about this particular book, it was in the summer of 2019. 
And it was the second in a two book contract. I had released Bet on Talon. And the way it was in the contract is uh, second book yet to be decided. And so they started deciding with me and I kept pushing back because I said, look, millennials and Gen Z's, they don't need this book. They have more job offers than they know what to do with. They're not having a hard time finding a job and they're pretty much crushing it because people need their talents. And I said, I don't think it's going to sell. And so they kept pushing me and pushing me till finally I said, okay, I'll, I'll write this book, Crush Your Career. And we came up with the, you know, it's going to focus on how to find a job, keep a job and grow your career from a HR insider's viewpoint. And so I started working on the book and I turned in the first draft on March the 20th, oh, 2020. Wow. wow. <laughs> and then I said, by the way, I'm going to need that back because we have something going on here that I imagine I'm going to need to, to write about. And I was thinking the same thing you were. It was like, I couldn't have imagined. In fact, I was thinking about, okay, I'm going to have to push my spring travel off till the fall, you know, and, and that was just to be safe. But, you know, at that point I was thinking, oh, I just pushed that off to the fall and And then I'm thinking, how much do I say about this pandemic in this book? Because I knew it wasn't going to release till March 2021. And I couldn't imagine that people would still be struggling. And of course, it just it turned out to be the right thing at the right time. And and I'm really, really sorry that we're in that situation that people would need it. But I'm glad that Crush Your Career is there to help if people find themselves in that situation. Yeah. Well, let's talk about those millennials and and even younger than that, those that, you know, I, I live in a college town and I saw some family and friends and graduates coming out of that normally a very celebratory time. And, you know, and here's the thing, not everybody goes and jumps into their dream job. In fact, if that's even a thing these days, we can get into that later. These days, people don't typically jump into a job and stay there for 40, 50 years out of college. But I couldn't help but think, how would I have handled that? What would I have done if I was exiting the undergraduate degree level into the workforce? What would I do? I I wonder if we can start there and maybe say, you know, what would you suggest to those people? Because we're nearing the second group graduating now. Yeah, I think the, the thing about the class of 2021 is they've had a little time to adjust to it. And so have employers for that matter. You know, the class of 2020, the timing was horrible. I mean, it started with, first of all, you're not going to get to celebrate your graduation, no parties, no ceremony. And then next is, and by the way, the job market's just shut down because nobody knows what's going to happen. And we don't know what's going to happen to the stock market. We don't know what's going to happen here or there. And so I think that, you know, what even as difficult as things can be right now, I also think we're still better off than we were a year ago. I think a lot more is known. And one of the things I keep encouraging the class of 2021 about is that when we have big problems, we need big problem solvers. And there's always a place for problem solvers. And the thing about the pandemic is while it took away, in some cases, entire sectors of the workforce, it also created new jobs and new opportunities. And I think that's where these two generations that I'm focused on right now, by the way, all of them are important, but just the millennials and the Gen Zs as I focus on where they are. And of course, now millennials make up the majority of the workforce. And because they're already so flexible and adaptable, I think they're going to ride this out a lot easier. When I go back, when I was coming out of college in the 80s, we were in the middle of recession and jobs were scarce, but we were looking for that. I'm going to go find that 30 year place and get those benefits and get that security. 
And they already have a mindset that, you know, if it is to be, it's up to me. So I think the mindset that they have is going to help them a lot. They're not looking for something to begin with. They're looking for their next gig. And they're not looking for that 40-year place for, you know, almost all of them. They're also looking at entrepreneurial opportunities more than any other generation. And so, again, entrepreneurial opportunities come out of problems that need to be solved. So as they start identifying those and can I get started here or can I learn from someone else for a little while or, you know, or can I string together a couple different things to get me through until we're in a different place, which we know is is coming because nothing ever stays the same. So I think that, you know, those are some of the big differences, even in the last 12 months that I'm seeing for these graduates coming out right now. But with the class of 2021, I think the main thing to understand is everything is cyclical. And while this is a once in, you know, 100 year event, and it's never happened in the modern society that we're in now, the opportunity is still abound. It's just going to look very different. You know, you might interview for every job, accept a job and start a new job all done virtually without ever meeting your boss in person or walking through the doors of your company. And for that matter, depending on how long you stay there, it might be that way for a long, long time because a lot of companies have decided this is the way of the future for them. So again, I think take confidence that you're adaptable. You know, you're flexible. You are you already had those innate qualities and use that to your advantage, knowing it might take a little longer than you had intended, but um, make it your full-time job, as people tell you, invest hours and hours and hours in your research, be very targeted about who you want to work for and building relationships with people who are at that organization, and then be persistent about that. And don't become discouraged. Just realize it's, it might take longer than you thought, and you might get surprised. It also might turn out better than you could have ever imagined. Yeah. It, it sounds to me like you're saying that you know the millennials as well as the, the Gen Zs and even the graduates of 2020 and 2021, that they are in a different kind of generational mindset and, and you know and even me being in the uh, zennial i'm like generation x and millennial x, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm kind of in that cusp of right in between both of them I'm, i guess i'm an elder millennial and a young gen z but even my generation at the end of it we started to understand oh yeah you're not locking yourself into a career as you graduate what you're doing is is you are looking to build experience in whatever form you can take and you use that experience to build. And I think even at that point, my generation and even the tail end of Gen Z were less entrepreneurial out of school than maybe we've gotten to be. I've seen, I've seen a lot of my cohort become much more entrepreneurial because they've seen it as a possibility over the course of the past 20 plus years now since graduating. Right. So, yeah. and even, you know, my daughter, she's 16, she's getting up there. We're going to have to start thinking about, you know, her future. We've talked about, you know, possibilities of a gap year and, you know, get get some experience while raising some money and thinking back from my personal experience, there's no true substitute for the experience of just having to practice being a quote adult and and responsibility before the expectations are heavier in in that regard, I think. If you spend time on some of the online forums, it's shocking to see what parents are still doing for their college age young adults, some that are as old as 21, 22 or 23 years old. And I think what you're saying is very, very important in times like these, you know, where 
you're trying to figure out the job piece, it's a great time to also figure out the life skills piece, you know, and get some of those skills, whether it's financial management or it's, you know, how do I take care of myself? How do I, you know, fend for myself in the world? Those types of skills, I think, can be pretty advantageous in a season like this. You, you can take advantage of what's going on to bolster those some too. Yeah. Well, and it, it also gives you some time to, you know, I mean, <laughs> typically <laughs> there's the whole, I mean, I switched my major like five times throughout college and, you know, I've been figuring out what it is I quote want to do with my life, but even that doesn't ever stick or at least not doesn't stick as much these days, unless you're going into a very specified field. But even then I know people who have changed that up over the course of 10, 20 years. And so that's not to say that we're not looking for, or or should I say, finding fulfillment and meaning in our career positions, but we don't place all of our meaning in that place anymore, regardless of our age. Yeah, well, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, I think our identity is far beyond that. Um, and, you know, it's under all the circumstances. And I think from here forward, it's that's fleeting, you know, those years of I am so and so this is my position at such and such company. And now I think, you know, when you're at that dinner party or whatever, it's no, this is what I do. This is actually what I do, regardless of who I do it for. This is the talent. This is what I'm bringing to the world right now. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to pivot away from, you know, the younger generation and the people just getting out into the world right now, because honestly, I think they're going to be fine. They've got that mindset and things in general are kind of, I guess I would say, going better. And there's more hopefulness than there was, I think, a year ago or even six months ago. I think they're going to be okay. I've seen the evidence and I've talked to some of them myself, but I'm thinking more along the lines of people who, you know, they, they found themselves caught up in a drastic or, you know, tumultuous change over the course of the past year. And they're critiquing or giving a critical eye, I should say, to their career and their future this point forward, whether they, you know, were laid off or they have suddenly struggled with working from home. But ultimately, that work-life, not balance, but meaning, although balance has probably been an issue too, that career and that meaning and how much meaning to derive from that. In other words, calling, I guess, is the real appropriate word here. What would you say to people in terms of this situation in time and career calling and what the overlap there is? One of the things that I've seen at this time is this, the people you're talking about, all of a sudden they're changing their priorities. 
And some of them, the older millennials and younger Gen Xers were here anyway. They were a little bit like, I'm not so sure about all this to start with. But now I think really the goals they're setting for themselves from a career standpoint, they're recognizing they're just some things that are more important than that work and that identity. And calling and what you do every day is not necessarily the same thing. Now, I, I talk about, and I think it's a sweet spot when you feel called to do something, and that ends up being your job. So, for instance, you know, I, I actually was a journalism major my first trip to college. I intended to be a writer right then, not 40, well, it wasn't 40 years after college, but, you know, 20-something years later. I, I expected I was going to write right then. And it didn't work out that way. And again, a recession and all that. So I ended up in HR. And what I learned was I had a calling I didn't even know I had, which was my path was to help other people find their path. And it just so worked out that what my vocation was at the time matched up. But here I am all these years later, 33 years after Chick-fil-A and and almost three years now since my time there. And that's still the work I'm doing is helping other people my path is, is helping other people find their path. So the calling hasn't changed, but the environment's changed. The clients have changed, the people I interact with on a daily basis. And I think that at this stage in life, that's really where people are most drawn to. And especially after an event like we've had in the last year, it's like, what's really important? You know, I found this is what I really want to do. And what I see is a lot of people making those changes. Like, I don't want to do that anymore, or I don't want to do it that way. I you know, I'm not excited about working at home, isolated from people all the time. I need to do something differently that engages me. Or, of course, there have been some people who have said, this has just been exactly what I was looking for, was more flexibility in my life. I like that, you know, when I shut down my virtual camera at five o'clock, I'm already at home. You know, I can go take my run. I can go have dinner with my family. And I've, I've you know, bought back several hours a day that I don't spend getting ready and commuting back and forth to work. So I think that priorities have changed. And when priorities change, that does call us back to our calling and remind us, what is it that we really want to accomplish? And are there different ways to do that now? Yeah. For myself personally, I've gone through some of that soul searching over the course of this past year, year and a half. And you know, I have been a long time remote worker. I used to work in a cubicle and I, I do to a certain extent, miss those days because there was a, well, even then technology was encroaching in on the habitual pulling out of the phone and the laptop at home Mm -hmm. and checking email in off hours that I wasn't getting paid for. That was something that was starting to erode my home time. But there was prior to that last year or two in that scenario, there was the ability when I used to have the chance to just go to the office sit in my cubicle, attend meetings, do emails, do phone calls, get my stuff done, in other words, and then leave the job where it was. And there's still part of me that wants to be able to do that. And don't get me wrong, remote workers, including myself, that's still possible. Uh, that's what a, that's a lot of what we talk about on this show in other episodes, trust me. Mm-hmm. But it's a huge change for people who are not used to remote work to then gradually have to figure that out. I mean, my remote work life over the course of, I think it's been seven or eight years now that I've been remote working, you know, it seasonally changes. My kids are about to be done with school 
soon. And, you know, they've actually gone to school during this last school year and no huge issues or anything, but they get home and I know when they're getting home and all that kind of stuff. But summer, that's different. Now they're suddenly home again. And that's when I had my micro crisis each summer of, oh, no, everybody's home. How do I figure out this this change? And so do I get out of the house? Last summer, that was hard. This summer, you know, with vaccinations and things, things will be a little bit different. It will be more Mm -hmm. possible and all of that. So that's a long winded answer of saying that remote work and transition and the the, uh, ultimately the flexibility and the questioning of not just your calling, but your work modality. Like, do you like working remote or do you want to just do it some of the time? Do you really want to, you know, can you figure something out in other words, or even the option of doing something entrepreneurial might come up as well. I think with, like you said, with vaccinations and and other things that are happening with the pandemic and, you know, we always have to be moving forward. Whatever's happening in our world, we're moving forward. And I think that's certainly happening now. And we'll, experiences changes to what's what our experience has been the last year but i I think that ideally what people are going love and i think a lot of organizations will do is there'll be times we'll be together and there'll be times we'll be remote and especially for anyone who leases property you know it's a lot of those leases are gone they don't even have those facilities anymore so they've got to start over and figure out a way okay how are we going to come together and i think for most people that's the sweet spot, you know, not having, and depending on what your commute is and, and, you know, how much of a hassle that is and things like that. But I think people will continue to find those rhythms. I talk about it, you know, how do you survive the the whole virtual thing with the family and so forth. And um, now not everybody can do this because I think about, you know, I live in a suburb outside of Atlanta. So we have a typical suburban home where there are places to, you know, go and I have my own office there. But there are people who live in urban cities in small 900-foot apartments, and they don't have the same opportunity. But if the possibility, if you can have no Zoom zones is what I call them in your house. Oh, I love nobody, that. No, nobody does schoolwork here. Nobody does work here. This is family space, and it's not going to be impeded on or interrupted by other people coming into that space. So wherever you make those spaces are, that's where you work. And when you're done... You leave that work right there and you go and be present in whatever else you're doing. And I think that's just a mindset we have to develop. Yeah, that's I I love the no Zoom zone rule. I think we've got almost an unspoken rule about that. There are certain areas in the house where that is set up to be optimal for non-Zooming. And so Mm -hmm. so we don't. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, it's it's it is very much when it comes to remote work, it's very much about setting up those times and places and and boundaries. That's actually kind of what I was getting at earlier when I was talking about leaving my work in the cubicle and then heading home. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, now you can take advantage of that extremely short commute, but you still need to have those boundaries. Otherwise, again, you're still picking up the phone as a remote mm-hmm. worker and doing work in off times and never really turning off, never really charging yourself up, never really taking, you know, a Sabbath over the weekend and and resting mm-hmm. and recharging. And I think that's something well, that we've we've come to gain more uh, awareness of over this last year as well. Right. I think so. And I have to say, for me personally, I'm actually doing I'm doing it much better. 
And even in those times it bleeds over, it's now intentional. It's like, I have to go do this. Mm. This is planned that I have to do something at a time that I wouldn't have normally been at the office, whether it's nights or weekends. But I think also, um, you know, I have learned that I can get more done because I don't have those interruptions I have at the office. So whatever my plan is for the day, I'm more often to complete that plan. When I was at the office, I'd get the interruptions. And then guess what I do? I'd come home and work all night doing the work I needed to do at the office. So I have felt more productive. I'll tell you one other hint that my husband and I have done, because probably like you, Eric, I mean, not just the Zoom calls, but I'm on a lot of recordings. And that's a lot of my work is done digital now. And there can be really no background noise. Of course, my husband is here too. And one of the things he does is run interference. So if the people with the leaf blower show up, he's out there saying, no, you got to come back in 30 minutes. (laughs) And uh, if the neighbor's dog is barking, he goes to offer a treat and (laughs) tries to do things to make sure. And he has my calendar and we just have a master calendar on what days is Deanne recording this week and at what times. And so he's aware of it and he knows not to walk on the kitchen floor because that makes noise in my studio downstairs and those kinds of things. And I think families are figuring that out. It's like, this is how we have to do this to make it work for everybody. Yeah, that's great. Circling back around to calling, I, I do want to come back to that. I and mean, we kind of switched over into, you know, work modes and you know mm-hmm. how we've made it work and, you know, gotten our work done if we've been fortunate enough to not have things shake up too much, or if we were fortunate enough to find some virtual work, if we had to do that uh, over this past season. I want to come back around to calling, though. I I think there are some people, though, that are in this stage and they don't know. Maybe they had an idea of what they wanted to do, but maybe they don't know anymore and they want to start figuring that out and find a better fit moving forward. They've done all this other reprioritization in their life. Now they want to have their career fall under that microscope. Uh, What would you suggest are some of the first steps for them? Well, I think, first of all, they're going to have to get very quiet with themselves and you know, spend some time being introspective and whether it's, you know, doing some of the various surveys that are out there that you can go and learn about yourself. And then I think you've got to have somebody speak into you. And, you know, that doesn't mean you have to go out and hire a career coach. That's not a bad idea, but it can be a spouse. It can be a best friend. It can be certainly a mentor, but somebody who knows you really well, they know the upside of you, the downside of you, They're truth tellers and you're willing to listen to them and let them just speak into, you know, this is what I see in you. Because one of the things that I think is that oftentimes we see in other people things they don't see in themselves. And the same thing is true about us. People see in us things we don't see. Even at this stage of life, I still have people who tell me things. A funny story, in 2007, my best friend and I were on a mission trip in Africa and we were standing on the side of this plain field. And she said to me, she said, DM, one day you're going to speak in front of thousands. Now I had done public speaking related to my job, but not the kind of speaking that I do now, these large conferences and clients and their large conferences and virtual things that are going on all over the world, et cetera. And, and we laugh about it now, but I just kind of laughed at the time when she said that. I was like, really, you see that? And she goes, yep, I see that. So I think that's, why we need the truth tellers in our lives and we need to go to them at times like this when we're saying, I think I'm supposed to be doing something different, but I haven't quite put it together. Can you fill in the blanks for me? Can you give me some encouragement to push me in that direction? I think that's really helpful. And that's one of the first things I suggest that people do. 
Yeah, I love that. I love one, the getting quiet and listening to yourself, but two, listening to that trusted counsel of people around you because they can see that, you know, passion and or interest that you've got that you from the inside, you can't see it. You might be slightly aware of it, but you might not see it yourself. Right. I think sometimes we, yeah, we we would be off on a totally different path if we only trusted ourselves. And we have to remember we have blind spots and things, blind spots that can be negative, but also blind spots to what is really positive about us. And we could be making contributions in ways that we have no idea. I think I, I think one of the other things that I was curious about was, you know, say someone does do some soul searching, they do that homework of diving into deciphering what their career calling is. And this may not be somebody who's, you know, only five, 10 years out of school and into the workforce, but this may be somebody that's 20 to 30 years and they be, mm-hmm. they may be entering into that second act or even third act of their career. You know, that already brings unique challenges, but also then compounds or, uh, you know, is a uniquely interesting experience, especially after the pandemic. What kind of guidance would you give that person? Well, I think I kind of am that person. Um, <laughs> when I, well, when I stop and think about it, that's really, and that's, I've personally been trying to figure that out. It's like, okay, I had this long corporate career, great career, loved it. Decided I wanted to go live out my dream. Well, I've done that. I've written three books. They've done really well. And I've started a podcast. I'm speaking 50 times a year on average. And actually with virtual, I've already spoken 50 times this year in 2021. And so I've been asking myself, what is it you want to do next? What's, you know, chapter two is not going to be as long as chapter one, Deanne. So what's chapter three? Because I'm getting there pretty quickly. And for me personally, you know, now I feel this huge call of I've lived out my dreams. I've lived several times over now. What am I going to do to help other people live out their dreams? And I think a lot of people get to this stage in life and start thinking the same way. And it's different. I mean, for some people, it's a craft they want to share. It's like, I'm really good at this particular skill set that I have. Or, you know, my husband is a wonderful landscape photographer, and he loves teaching other people the craft that he's developed. I'm in the same place now. I'll put it this way. It's like, I've crushed my career. I want to help some other people crush theirs. I want to see them find their dreams and succeed. So I think a lot of people have had a time to spend more time than they would like, maybe even thinking about that. And people who are in my stage of life and at this point are starting to see those opportunities. And the thing is, they abound. I mean, whatever you can come up with, the need is there and it's just getting connected to the right people. And never has it been so easy to connect to the right people when you think about all the online opportunities. I mean, even even though LinkedIn is a professional platform, it's a great place to figure out what's the next chapter. And I want to give myself away. Who needs me? Well, you can pretty much find it in that arena. And so I think that's probably pretty common with people in that stage of life and what they're trying to do. Yeah, I I think that is true. I think that's what I've seen, what I've observed of that, you know, people that are in that realm, that generation at that point, that they tend to be more of a mentoring type of a uh, a breed, I guess, that that's what they see. Yeah. You know, they, hey, I have done some of the fulfillment stuff. They may still have a couple more career bucket list kind of things they want to try and and they will go after that. But it involves them bringing up 
the next generation behind them or two in terms of helping them. And in fact, I think that's actually how they reach some of those other, like I called it a career bucket list kind of opportunity It is Mm -hmm. those relationships with those people with different skill sets, different mindsets, different generational perspectives coming up behind them in the workforce. Well, it's funny that you say that because I think that our generation is learning a lot. It's like we're saying, well, wow, that's pretty cool the way they look at that. Maybe maybe I'll start looking at my career in a little bit different light. Give you an example. I, so one of my new things in Chapter 3 is I'm going to be a, a um, executive in residence the next three years at High Point University. And people were talking, oh, that's great. You have so much to offer those students. I said, are you kidding me? You know how much I'm going to learn from them? I mean, how exciting is that, you know, to be in this stage of life? And I do hope I give a lot away. That's why I'm doing it is to be a mentor and to help students. But at the same time, I'm pretty excited recognizing how much they're going to teach me. Because, you know, when we quit learning, I think we're pretty much done, right? So hope that we're always learning. And I think that when we're working best together, multi-generational is when we're both, we're both learning from each other. Yeah, I'm really excited that that's the perspective that you've got for that, that even though, you know, you would go into it being generous and giving, you know, your perspective, your guidance, your help to those students that, you know, you're going to get something out of it, too, and that that's great. I wonder, you know, for for some other people, you know, maybe they're not in the second, third, you know, chapter and they know that that's coming, but they're still looking for a transition and they want to move from one thing to another, what are some of the things that they can start to do to prepare themselves and or prepare you know, the people they work with, the people that they, they live with, teammates in, in all senses, to start to do that and even prepare themselves? Well, the people they live with, they definitely need to talk out loud. There's nothing like getting surprised that all of a sudden someone has decided that they want to give up their career as an accountant and go into making pottery. I mean, things like that happen all the time and there's nothing wrong with it, but you don't want to surprise everybody around you. But the other thing that I think is that you need to try these things while you're still doing what you're doing. And so uh, the other day I was interviewing Dana Spinola and she, she's the CEO of Fabric and she was talking to me about how she went from being a consultant at Deloitte to opening a women's clothing boutique. And what it happened is she was loving her career, but then all of a sudden she realized that, um, or she was doing very well in her career, I should say, but she was realizing she wasn't doing the thing she loved. And the thing she always wanted to do was open a women's clothing store. Well, she was smart enough to know that she had this great job at Deloitte. She was on the fast track to leadership position and that probably the, she shouldn't just you know dump her job and go try to open a boutique. So She was living in Atlanta and working, commuting to San Francisco for work. And she'd come back on the weekends and go and work in a women's clothing store. And she did this for a long time to be sure that that's really what she wanted to do. When I was leading at at Chick-fil-A, I saw that people who, you know, had great careers going on, but that really felt like they wanted to be a Chick-fil-A franchisee. And so what did they do? They actually went out, became a team member, worked in a Chick-fil-A restaurant until they decided that it was the right fit for them and they you know went through the application process that's an ideal situation if you can stick your toe in the water experiment with things that you think you might be interested in before you just totally you know jump ship and make transition and i think and i think is in preparing others you talked about teammates 
And knowing that that day's coming, you know, one of the things you have the opportunity to do when you make transition is you're making room for others. And I actually had that discussion with myself when I made the decision to leave Chick-fil-A in a volunteer early retirement option that was offered to about 100 long-term Chick-fil-A employees. And we all had the option to stay or we had the option to go if we wanted to. It was a great opportunity. But one of the things that I really thought about was, again, it was time for me to pursue some other dreams. But there were some people that were really crushing their careers that deserved an opportunity. And I was really making space for that. And it didn't just come with, okay, get out of the way, but also really bringing those people along and teaching them what they need to know and having them set up so that when you step away, they can step in. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I I really appreciate that. I really like the idea of people taking the opportunity if they can to dip their toe in the water, to try things out. And I think that's one of the things that might be more possible right now in terms of either freelance stuff on the side because of remote work or yeah, just, just offering, you know, Hey, I see that this person I really like is doing this entrepreneurial thing online. I'd love to reach out to them and say, Hey, would you, I would love to learn from you. Maybe it doesn't require too much of your time, but I'd love to do some spec stuff for you. And if that helps you out, great. You know, those kind taking advantage of those kinds of opportunities, mm-hmm. in other words. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely the way to go. You know, I call it discovery and experimentation so that you can, you know, you can do that in a way that financially you protect yourself and that others have an opportunity to kind of adjust to, hey, my spouse or my mom or dad, or they're going to do something different now. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, and you're able to pretty much grow into it instead of just jump into it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, there are times that an opportunity is great. It's the right opportunity for you. I mean, I go back to my own situation. I didn't have two years to think about what I was doing. Now, looking back on it, I was already building my exit ramp because of the writing and speaking that I was doing in addition to my role at at Chick-fil-A. So the exit ramp was being built, but it wasn't as intentional at the time. I didn't know that's what it was leading to until I looked back. But the opportunity was there and it was time to take a leap of faith and to jump. So there are times for that. And when something's pretty obvious to it, it stirs in your soul and you're like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And here's my window of opportunity. And if I don't do it, I don't get to do it. Then absolutely, those are times to jump. But if you're uncertain, then I think, you know, growing into it and discovering it is a much better position to take. Or even just experiencing those testing grounds as a way to grow your courage to then take that step. Yeah. So, wow, we have talked about a lot of stuff and we still there's so much more in the book, which I'm excited about. And you have a new podcast as well. So, uh, Deanna, I would love for you to shoot us to where people can go to find out more about the book as well as subscribe to your podcast. Yeah, we we did talk a lot about calling um, and there's so much more in the book. You know, the first part of Crush Your Career really talks about getting a job, you know, figuring out what it is you want to do and get a job. But the second half of the book is all about once you you get the job, what do you do with it? And how do you manage relationships and navigate landmines and, you know, focus on your own performance and development and those types of things. So my website is deanneturner.com, D-E-E-A-N-N, turner.com. And you can find all of my books there, Crush Your Career and Bet on Talent. My first book, it's my pleasure is no longer in print, but all the content from that book was incorporated into Bet on Talent. So some people are looking for that book and 
you'll be happy to know it's all in bed on talent. But you can find my books there. My podcast is on all the major platforms, Apple and Spotify and Stitcher. And you can also access that at my website. Um, on my website, if somebody's interested, if you're a leader who's interviewing talent, there's a free download there for my top 25 questions, behavioral interviewing questions. If you're a candidate looking for a job, it's a good download for you because they're the type of questions that you might be asked and you could practice with those. So I hope um, you'll also follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at Deanne Turner. Okay, great. I will link up to everything in the show notes. Uh, I want to make sure to ask the name of the podcast as well so people can search for that in those uh, podcasts. Thank you. Uh, yes, it's the Crush Your Career podcast. Got it. Okay, so Crush Your Career, the book and the podcast, that'll be easy to find. Deanne, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. Well, that's another episode crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Deanne Turner and that if you're in that starting out in a new career or in a new phase of your career, you found something beneficial from both this conversation and from the book. If you're interested in diving more into the book or honestly giving it out as a gift to somebody who's just graduated college or is in that early stages, you can find the link to that in the show notes for this episode. And if you found this helpful or you know someone else who would find this helpful, would you do me the favor of sharing this with them? Hit that share button in the podcast player app of choice where you're listening to this. Or again, hit the share button over on the show notes for this episode. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode.